Hi everyone, uh, welcome to the latest episode of Legends of the Spire. First I wanted to say thanks for all the kind words about the David Reeves episode which was uh, last out. Uh, always knew that one was going to be really popular and it proved to be so, so maybe we'll have them on again at some point in the future, who knows. Um, today's episode is with Alan O'Hare. He was a left back, joined us in the early noughties uh, from Bolton when he was still a teenager. Um, had a great career at the, at the town and uh, was always one of those players that gave 100% every match. Uh, we had a great chat about escaping relegation, the Carling Cup run, uh, painful memories of getting a uh, studs-up challenge in the Knackers, uh, where he still has the scar to prove it. Um, and then also talked to us about his uh, last year at the club under Lee Richardson. Uh, as we always knew, things didn't uh, there was something happening there, um, so it was great to get his words on camera about what really happened at that period of his time at the club. He was then really honest about the mental health challenges, really, of going from a career in football to a career in something completely different. Had time as a teaching assistant uh, and has now joined the police, where he's um, uh, out on the beat. Um, so really interesting to get his perspective uh, on the game, both whilst playing it and um, and after playing it and, and going into something else. So I hope you really all, all enjoy the episode. And uh, here is Alan O'Hare. So I should go back right to the start. Um, it's always good to kind of get a... Uh, Get a picture of you before you came to Chesterfield because um obviously you came over from Ireland didn't you to sign for Bolton um mm -hmm. but I'm just wondering what the how you ended up making that journey and, and kind of your um uh your your kind of life in in kind of school school football and, and stuff like that was it was football always your thing yeah I mean it was it was football in Gaelic you know it was we you know I played played football on a Saturday morning, Gaelic on a Saturday afternoon, and I played football on a Sunday morning, Gaelic on a Sunday afternoon again. You know, it was, um, yeah, I mean, life revolved around football. My dad was a great footballer back in, you know, in Sunday League in Ireland, and then I, I got into the local team, and then at about 12 years old, um, Dundalk FC started, to, you know, they, you, know, you started kind of going into the, into the Dundalk setup, and obviously they weren't great then, I mean, if you look at Dundalk now, they've had so much success in the last few years, winning league titles and getting into the Europa League. And yeah. stuff. So they were always they were always a well-established club. But when I joined, they were kind of they were in, in a bit of a transition. And but I loved it. I played with Dundalk, the select team, and then I, we had a few tournaments in Ireland and the Kennedy Cup. And but the biggest one was the Milk Cup, and, and on the 14s and on the 16s. And in my era, um, you know, we played against the likes of Joe Cole and. Um, you know, Jermaine Defoe and lots of players for West Ham. West Ham were massive. The West Ham won at the year I played. And, and like the Chile national team came over. So it was all a big AC Milan came over to play. It was a big, and there was only a few, a few because it was set in Ireland, there was only a few Irish teams invited up. The original, you know, and Dundalk were one of them. And so like, I mean, in, in our group, we, we, had, we, had, we had West Ham, Sunderland and Feyenoord. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and um, and we we progressed. We got to the quarterfinals, um, and actually, I, my my first my first trial wasn't even with with um, with Bolton. It was it was with Man United. I went over to Man United for a while, and um, 
and hated it. <laughs> it was horrible. It was, it was a horrible experience. Um, Why was it horrible? You know, I they, they, it was actually the year I I was there they, 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 when they played against a, a team called FC Lots, which, which was the qualifying round against the Champions League. And that was the league the, the year they won the treble, mm-hmm. and then. Um, just the, the staff, the staff are horrible. Alex Ferguson was a bully. Um, you know, I know I know people rave about him and he was a fantastic manager, but my experience, my my one or two experiences with him during my trial period, um, he was a bully to the youth team and, and the young kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, made a show of me in front of the youth kids as a trialist and tried to, you know, just tried to embarrass me and laughed and walked out and I hated it, I just didn't like it. Um, now, I, I'm not saying I, I could have stayed at Man United, it was, it was far from it, but... I um I got invited up to Bolton, which was only up the road, um straight from from Man United. Drove up the M60 or the M61 or whatever it was. Um went into Bolton. I was there for a month and never left. That was it. Packed me bags, went home for a weekend. Packed me bags and came came back to England. I was at Bolton for four years and I loved every single minute of it. It was amazing. So I'm guessing the atmosphere then with the coaches and things was a lot different. To did you get yeah, it was just from Bolton? It was just, it was just amazing. Um, so Colin Todd was there when I was when I first joined, but only a few months later, um, Sam Allardyce came in and just changed the whole, the whole aspect of the club and the whole mindset of the club. Um, he was one of the first managers to bring in sports science and sports psychologists, and and you know he he, he treated the players, he treated everybody, everyone at the club, um, from first teamers right down to, to the youth team. He treated them really, really well. Um, and you know, he, he knew everything about us. He, he knew our progression. He knew what we wanted to work on. He made, he made it was he, details like he made packs for us. So like, and I played left back. You know, there was a and Simon Charlton was there and a few others, Anthony Barnes and left backs and Ricardo Gardner. Mm-hmm. And he'd give us all packs for the best left backs in the world. And this is what they do. This is how far they run. This is what how crosses, etc., etc. He does that for every single player. You know, we we were in that cinema room. Um, twice a week at least watching footage and you know I just it was just a hell of an experience and it's just it was it was a basis of what what I was to learn and what you know just enjoying being around football and mm. you know and, and being around a manager who cares you know and, and you know let's be honest I was never never good enough to play you know for, for both in the premiership but he always made everyone feel like they were good enough to play football on Saturday at three o'clock because that's that's every kid's goal Um you know, and I, I was lucky enough now, there was only, I think there was only three of us, possibly four of us who, who went on to play professional football from, from my youth team. So I, I got extremely lucky that I wasn't the most talented player there. But, you know, I worked hard and got a little bit of luck going to Chesterfield and loan and, and, and that was it. But he, he was great. And, I, you know, between Sam and, and Roy, probably, you know, two best managers I've ever known, you know. And, um, and Bolton at that time always signed the best players didn't they like as a, as a fan of kind of football at that time he'd always sign the kind of players that you'd sign if you were playing championship manager back then he's <laughs> like you're like you were in you had like Joe Kaef in, in around the squad at that time Bruno Ngotti uh people like that. it was it was just really exciting players weren't they that played for Bolton around then yeah and you know what it was, it, he had a knack of like I mean he signed like going back Ivan Campo Fernando Hierro um, JJ Acacia, um, you know, Ricardo Gardner was there, um, Colin Hendry, you know, he kind of got players that were kind of, you know, early 30s and kind of 
big clubs no longer seeing them as, as being fit to play for them and you know good enough to play with the big teams, which was which was absolutely rubbish. He, he got all these random nationalities together and got him in, got him into the club and just they just flourished. They just he loved he, he was he, he was out he was out training with them. He was they just it was a joy to go and and train every day. You know I was lucky enough to sign a pro. You know, so I used to train with him and I used to play, you know, to practice games and stuff with him. And, and, and you know, some of the stories are pretty, pretty good. There's a, you know, Yuri Jokia, probably the best story I've ever, I could ever tell probably is about Yuri Jokia, who was doing crossing and finishing one day. And he was, he was horrendous. He couldn't, he couldn't score. He was trying all sorts. And Jussi Askelainen, the goalkeeper, it was he, vicious. He, he was, he was brutal. He was having a go with him. He was, he was slagging him off. He was doing all sorts. He was saying he's past it, blah, blah, blah. And, I remember a couple of days later, um, or maybe a week later, he's he's you know he scored an unbelievable volley in training and took off his top and he had his World Cup winners medal around his neck. Showed it, <laughs> the, showed it the, he showed it the Yuski Askeladen and walked off the pitch, walked out of training, and it was uh, the whole place just erupted. Yuski Askeladen didn't take it very well, and, you know. So, but it was it was a great a great um, great atmosphere to be be involved in. And like I said, it was it was more than football. It was more than just training. It was a lifestyle with cooks and sports psychologists and, you know, you know, special people coming in, having a chat, ex-players, ex-managers of his, ex-friends of his coming in and talking about experiences and, and stuff like that. And it just, like I said, it gave, gave all the players an extra motivation. For a, a lot of years, Bolton overachieved, you know, they, they, they absolutely overachieved. If you look back, you know, he brought in Michael Ricketts who started scoring goals and Kev Nolan, who was part of my youth team. You know, unbelievable player went on to have a great career, and you know he he, he just he had this knack of, of, of getting these players together and, and, and you know getting them as a team and playing as a team and, and just establishing themselves in the Prem. But they didn't. They went on, you know, they went the way way to Bayern Munich and got a result. Done really really well for many years. So yeah, it was it was. But like I said, it was never it was never good enough to play for Bolton. You know, the first team. And I got lucky when when Chesterfield came in and got me along. Yeah, and and. And just before we move on to Chesterfield, I think you were, am I right in saying you were in a squad with Derek Niven as well that season that um, that you came yeah. to Chesterfield? You were in with, uh, with Niven, weren't you? Yeah, Nibble, Nibble came from St Mirren, I think, um, the year before, the year before that. Um, yeah, and I, play, I played with Nibble for a year. Um, I bought him in the reserves before I moved and then then he, he moved up. Um, wishing the rest is history with Nibble. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a great player, you know. Um, He's and a testament to what what again what what the what the what the reserve team brought. I mean that that reserve team had like David Norris in it, went on to play with Plymouth and Leeds. You know, the, the, everybody more or less from that reserve team went on to have careers and have good careers, and that was down to the coaches and and, and Sam. You know, yeah. And and <laughs> just before I move on, it says on your I'm sure you know this, but it says on your Wikipedia page. That you that you enjoyed a Zinger Tower burger from KFC close to the Reebok. Where's where's that come from? <laughs> that's um that's a friend of mine in Bolton having um editing Wikipedia and uh, getting away with it, and it's been there for years. And that's every single time I speak to anyone and they have a look at the Wikipedia page, the first thing they mention. There's been um there's been some questionable edits over that over the year, and there was, I think it was one a couple of years ago about um I don't know how left Chester feeling finished playing football and went and got his own mobile hairdressing business called Alan No More Hair or something like that. So every now and again, every now and again, I get a text off random people saying, check the Wikipedia page. It's, it's 
edited for a bit before it disappears. But for some reason, that's stuck. Um, so I've got some friends in Bolton playing for that. So it's very true. It is true as a youth team player. It is true. We, um, at the youth team, obviously, we used to train at the Reebok and stuff, right behind the Reebok retail bar. You know, every day we'd be in KFC. <laughs> so it, technically, I suppose it is true. Kind of true. All right. <laughs> so, so, yeah, then you signed uh, for Chesterfield. It was like early, it was like January, February 2002, wasn't it? So it's like halfway through the season. And you came into Chesterfield when Chesterfield were obviously just coming out of a really turbulent time in in the history because of Darren Brown and uh, all yeah, yeah. happening. And Dave Rushbury was the manager, wasn't he then? Um, mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering how that all all came about, and was it a bit of kind of Reebok Stadium to Saltgate? Was it a bit of a, a culture shock at the time, or did you take to it straight away? It was. It was. To be honest with you, it was luck as well. Um, I know Lee Richardson was good friends with Phil Brown, um, the assistant manager of Bolton. So I think that's how the link the link between the two clubs came. Um, and Phil Brown was a great coach, but he wasn't a very good man manager. He wasn't a very nice guy, to be honest. Um, but Lee must have rang him and said, look, we're looking for a young player because I think I think Brex was injured. I think Steve Payne might have been injured. Yeah. Ladders had his bad back. Things like that. So they were looking for a left side, or they were looking for a centre half, um, a young centre half, and see if they could, you know, because they were, they were struggling in that department. And uh, Phil Brown said, "Come and have a look at these two centre halves we have playing, and they're really, really good." Um, and they came, and I was playing left back at the time. We were playing against Aston Villa, um, and I got man of the match. And he, after the game, he turned around and went, "Well, who's your left back?" And he goes, oh, that's, that's Alan. Alan O'Hare, he's a young lad as well. But I thought you were looking for a centre-half. And they said, oh, well, can you play centre-half or left-by? I was six-foot-one or whatever. Mm. Um, and he says, yeah. He says, oh, I'll come and have another look. And came to have another look at a couple of games. We played against Newcastle and somebody else. And I played really well, scored. And that was it. They asked me to go to go for initial loan for three months, I think it was. And made me debut away at Tranmere, funnily enough, against Chief. <laughs> Wayne Allison, it was it was um Unfold. it was playing um and like I said that that was the end of it. For, for me, that was you know there, there was no there was no comparison from playing was there football on a Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Although it was playing against really good players and up good stadiums and stuff, you know, went to Prenton Park and walked out and suddenly it's like the stadium, you know, full of people, it was fans, our fans, their fans, and it was uh, it was it was a bit of a it was a bit of an eye opener for me, and I kind of thought, "This is what I want to do," you know. Um, so, you know, yeah, like I said, I, I stayed three months. I absolutely loved it. It was great, you know. I've done done reasonably well. Went back to Bolton and Chester, and I wanted to stay at Chesterfield. Didn't want didn't want to go back to Bolton because I loved it. Loved the players. Loved loved the club. Loved training every day. You know, being part of a first team every day was a little bit different than being part of the reserves. You know, and then mixing in with the first team, it was. Um, it was good. It was. I felt like a first team player. I was I was eighteen, nineteen. You know, it, it, it was fantastic. So I went back to Bolton, had a pre season and a couple of months at Bolton, and then Chesterfield kind of rang them again and said, "Look, can he come full time?" So that that was it. You know. Yeah, and and yeah, you said um, you said you had your debut against Tranmere. I think you got a clean sheet as well on, on debut, which is always nice. Yeah, got 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 a clean sheet and got man of the match. Um, my dad's got it picture of a snippet from a newspaper saying it was you know I got man the match and etc so yeah no it was it was a great experience I loved it um, and 
you can't com- you can't compare playing football at three o'clock on a, on a Saturday afternoon in front of fans. Whether you whether you play at Old Trafford or whether you play at Saltergate or anywhere else, there's no there's no better feeling. You ask any of the lads that you know, and you know, no matter what experience they've had, where in, in the leagues and championships and, and League One, League Two, or the Conference or whatever, it's there's nothing better than waking up on a Saturday morning, having breakfast and getting that butterflies and that nervous nervous feeling in your stomach, and, and yeah. you know, so it was. Um, I was really, really pleased when, when, when sorry, when Chesterfield came back and, and said they wanted to sign me properly. Um, yeah, was, getting here, but eventually I got you. I was having a look at the um, at kind of the match squads as well at that time, and you played every game, didn't you, until the end of that season? So I think mm-hmm. I think you played yeah. every game on that loan spell. So yeah, I played nineteen games. Yeah, yeah, I played all the rest of the season um, every game, um, which was great because. At Bolton, I had me. Obviously, I, I retired through my ankle, so I did have injuries at Bolton in my ankle. But you know, coming here, it, it was it was great and playing nineteen games in a row and playing like you know playing Saturday, playing Tuesday, and it, it, there's no better feeling. I think we stayed up comfortably that year, so it, you know it was good. But it was. I remember our, my, our last game was against Blackpool at home when I, I was leaving. Um, it was the last game of the season. I was leaving to go back to Bolton because the reserve team was still playing. Yeah. Um, and I remember very, very specifically, you know, clapping at the cup and going back to training on Monday at Bolton. And we had a reserve game at Sunderland away on my Wednesday night, you know, and then it was like, I don't want to be here anymore. You know, it, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was great. And, and I was just looking to get out and play first team football because there's nothing better. Chesterfield offered me a contract and it wasn't very good. Um, now, it's not that I wanted loads of money, but I had to go and buy a house, an apartment. Yeah. Yeah, I had nothing. They gave me nothing. They gave me a couple of hundred quid, like they gave me a couple of hundred quid a week, and I was nineteen, clueless. Went into the went into Sam Allardyce, and he was, I'll never forget. It. I went into his office, and he came out naked with a towel over his shoulder like this, <laughs> and sat down with his legs apart, but like just looking at me and going, "What's the issue?" And I says, "Gaff up, I've got." I said, "This is what I want to go and play football." And Chesterfield have only offered me this, and it's not about money, but I just need to buy an apartment, and then. Um, and he went, Chesterfield have offered you that. And he just ripped it up in front of me and he went, go train. And I went, all right. And I thought I was in trouble. Like, I'm in here asking for money. I'm 19. I'm like, what am I doing? And he says, go and train and come back to me this afternoon. So I came back in the afternoon and he, uh, he literally went, here's a contract. I went, what? He went, I've doubled your money. And I've got you signing on for it. He says, no one treats my players like that. You're still a boat wanderers player. He says you're still you're still my player, and he handed me a con- he handed me this contract, and it was two it was instead of like eighteen months it was a two and a half year deal. He got me another year, and he went no he says and he just went no go and f off and have a great career. Um, kind of moving on a bit, Roy McFarlane then becomes manager, and I think in that mm-hmm. first season, uh, it's like the oh three oh four season. You played about forty games that season under. Um, in the league under McFarlane. So I wondered what um, what he was like when he came in. Because obviously he's a defender by trade himself, so he must have been a help to your game. Yeah, Roy Mack, Roy Mack was great. He was, you know, it's nice when the manager likes you. It's not not going to lie, you know, and, and, and he liked me and he liked lots of lads. But he brought in a few players, um, a few of the old guard had left. Um, you know, the Rob Edwards and the Marcus Eflin and, and Boots and all that. So it was a bit of a, you know, they were really 
big characters and a lot of experience. And, you know, suddenly you had young lads coming in. I mean, Evo came in, Ian Evett came in then that first year. He came in as a midfielder from Derby and all cocky and, you know, brash and thinking he was going to strut his stuff around, you know, and he'll admit that. Um, and then within a year, then he's playing centre half and he's probably one of the best centre half Chesterfield have had over the last, you know. I, th- I, 10, think, 15 I years. think Chesterfield fans are wondering who we'd signed when he started in midfield. Who we were like, no, it's not that. <laughs> it's yeah. not all that. And then, and, you know, and, and then, you know, but Roy Mack quickly recognised his strengths, you know, what, what he was going to be good at. And, he, and you know, he sat him down and, and Evo bought into it. And I'm sure if, you know, if you ever spoke to Evo, he, he, he'd tell you that, that, you know, he, he probably helped him when he went on to play in the Prem as a centre half. That was never going to, he was never going to go on to the Prem and play centre midfield. You know the way the way he was the way he was he was he was built and the way the way his game game worked out. So Roy Mack had a very good knack of looking at players and getting the best out of players. Kevin Hursty was another one, and um, you know he got the best out of Hursty. You know Hursty was great ability, great you know a winger. You know um, thought he was Beckham. You know lived the lifestyle, but he got it. He got a hold of him. And if you look at you know you look at that. Because I played with Hosty up and down that left hand. So you look at that cup run and you look at those few years that he had before he moved on from well as well. Um, God, he grafted. You know, he, he, he grafted his, his backside off up and down that line. That changed his game. And You know, so he, Roy Mack was, was brilliant. You know, he, he, he had a balance then with, Evo, with, sorry, with Mark Allett and, and Nivo in the midfield. You know, wanted ability and wanted ability to do other things. You know, with Nivo, you know, run and tackle. And, and Mark had the ability. So it was... You know, he'd he done really, really well and brought in good players, picks, you know, right back. And then then when he needed it, brought in the likes of, you know, Chief and, and Shane Nicholson, who, who were, you know, shitting the shit went on and won player of the year again at 30 odd years old. So this can't, it can't be a coincidence that these players come well. And, you, you know, if, if I'd sit and argue with anyone who, who, who judged Roy Mack to be, to be a failure, because he certainly wasn't, he brought, he brought a team together that, you know, made people talk. You know, and made people, you know, interested in what we were doing. I mean, I was speaking to, I was speaking to, um, to Jim Brown and a couple of lads at, at Chesterfield when I went and done the commentary at, at Chesterfield a couple, a couple of years ago. Um, you know, they brought in, you know, they, they got fed and they got, you know what I mean? They got dinners and, and breakfasts and stuff like that. And, you know, there was drones flown in to, to, to look at train and, and stuff like that. You know, it, it's, it's hard to think that only a few years ago we were, you know, getting a bacon sandwich from Linda's shop at the bottom of the corner yeah. <laughs> and then going to train and coming back and getting another sandwich and going home, you know. So it, times certainly have changed in a short, sorry, a short period of time. But it's, um, you know, Chesterfield have been successful since and they've done great things. But it's, um, it's definitely different. And I wonder, I wonder what he, you know, players like, you know, Bladders and all those players, what, what would it be like in the, in the new era? You know, and like Roy as a, as a manager, what would he be like? It is. It would be interesting to see. Yeah, and like, and David Reeves was saying that, you know, now we've got the the new stadium and we find ourselves in the National League. Back then, mm. you know, he was saying that when he started, that um, they'd be going and clearing the draining training ground of dog muck before starting training, yeah. and, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was just chalk and cheese, really. Yeah, yeah we used to train up at Warm and stuff. Um, the road, and then on a, the odd Friday we train with a train now, but it wasn't. It was like, you know, clearing the dog muck, clearing the snow. We'd be out there ourselves with shovels and you know stuff, clearing clearing the snow. Um, yeah. you know, I remember, you know, you see, do you remember Cham the Toya? Remember Cham? 
uh, you know, seeing him clearing snow, he'd never seen snow in his life. You know, it's, uh, you know, but, but we, and we used to train in it. I remember we used to train when we couldn't clear it, we used to train in it. And, but it would always be enjoyable. And not, you know, you never heard anyone more and groan about training and, you know, where we were training, how we were training, the type of training we were doing. It was just get up and get on with it because you know, I think everyone was lucky enough to play. Chesterfield mm. was a good club to play for, you know, and it was, we were lucky and, you know, it was, it was highly enjoyable no matter what the weather. Um, I kind of wanted to mention when Colin Larkin signed because he was uh, a guy you used to play against, wasn't he, when you were in Ireland. Um, so you, have you known have you known him for for years? By the time you signed for us, I've I've, I've known Colin since I was about eight. Um, now we, we didn't run in the same circles um, at home. Like we were at the same school and stuff. We were opposite ends of the town, and we were we were actually on rival teams. We were the top two teams in the league. Um, some people say we were the top two players in each team. Um, he played up front. I played at the back. And we kicked them. Said each other. We gave each other. As playing football, I I used to hate when he'd score, um, and he used to hate when I used to kick him. And, and then on a Saturday afternoon, I'd go play Gaelic against him. It it was literally I'd see him every weekend playing against him. Playing against him. And then when we got into the into the the Dunbar, Dunbar Schoolboy League team, we uh, we played together and got to know him a little bit more. And we kind of both went to England at the same time. He went to Wolves, I went to Bolton, um, and it was great when he when he signed for a. Uh, Chesterfield, it was great. It was great because we instantly just clicked and you know got on. And you know, for a couple of years there, we, we were inseparable at Chesterfield. You know what I mean? Outside of football and everything, it was great. Nice, nice to see you know two local lads doing doing really well and playing the same team was even better. You know, did you get to kick lumps out of him in training again? Was that <laughs> couldn't catch him? He was like a pigeon, I couldn't catch him. He was so quick. Um, mm. Yeah, we, we, we always, you know, it, it's, you, you can take, you know, off the pitch, you know, we, I remember getting in a scrap, whatever, on the pitch, on a training one day, you know, Tom's flying and things like that, because everyone cares. In training, it's, you know, it, it is helpful other in training, and we, we, you know, it's always competitive, and you always want to beat the other player, but then after training, it's all forgotten about, like, it's, it's a strange environment. I don't think many environments... <laughs> You know, any walk environments are, are the same as football, as, as bitter and twisted. And, you know, I remember uh, Mark Hudson, me and him used to absolutely hammer each other in training. Huddy, because I, I, lived, I lived around the corner from Huddy um, in the middle of town. So we see each other every day and we used to go out all the time. Like we were best mates, but we used to wind each other up in training so much, you know, you know, getting into scraps and tussles. And, and after training, it was all over. But yeah, yeah, no, Pop's coming at uh, Larks. He was, uh, he was great. And, and, you know, again, another character in the dressing room he's extremely funny and always pranking people he used to torture Downs Aaron Downs absolutely torture um, you know with his gear you know he's his, his cutting up his socks and mailing him his gear and oh, it, all sorts there was nothing off limits with Pops whatever you did he'd do it twice back so we just left him alone and yeah you, you touched upon the um, the great escape against Luton um, in the uh, in, in that year when Hurst scored right at the end. Did you, because did, I think we were, we had to overtake two teams, I think, to stay up. I think it was Grimsby and Rushmore yeah. Diamonds that we ended up leapfrogging. <laughs> and at half time, it didn't look likely that it was going to happen at all. Um, I remember after we, after Hurst scored that goal, there was a guy next to us that was just shouting at us, what are Grimsby doing? What are Grimsby doing? Because it was just, 
uh, everyone was so tense about it all. Did you, as a squad of players, did you, in heart of hearts, did you think there was a chance before you started that game? Well, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Because if not, we wouldn't. We would have lost. Mm. It was, like I said, it's a strange time. I mean, I know we were struggling and stuff, but we always, we always just kept in there and kept in there and kept in there, and. You know, Roy Mack and, and, and Rico and all the guys, we, never, ever did we let our heads drop and, and you know, let fans affect us or anything like that. It was all about the lads in the dressing room. Um, we went into the game just wanting to win the game. It was a game of football. Like, uh, that's what he said. It's just a game of football. You win it. He says, you win, we stay up. You, you lose a draw, we get down. That's it. I'm down to the last game of the season. Um, but it is, you know, people say, like, you aren't aware for some reason, that game, the, the place was packed. I mean, it was, it, the, the sort of game was, Luton brought, because it was the last game, Luton brought a massive fan base down as well. Um, and, you know, at halftime, things weren't going our way. Uh, we weren't getting beat, but things weren't going our way. And, you know, a few heads did drop and, and stuff like that. It was, it was a case of rallying around and doing it. But then I think midway through the second half, somebody scored and it was a roar. And you could hear it and you could you knew something, even though you didn't know um, Cause I remember, I remember one of the lads asking Matt, uh, Roy Mack, "What gaffer? What's the score?" And he just told him to f off. <laughs> you know, just never mind the score. Just get on with the game. Um, but you could tell the, the, the wind was changing a little bit towards the end of the game. Um, hairs in the back of your neck went up a little bit. Every tackle then was a bit extra vigorous. Every pass you made sure every run you just yeah, it's something changed. And like you said, I remember it like it was yesterday when 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 uh, Muggs kicked the ball, Evo flicked it on and Glyndhurst poked it in and the place just erupted. And I remember that, you know, we still had a few minutes to go. Mm. Um, but everyone was on the pitch. Um, everyone was on the pitch grabbing me, trying to take the shot off. You know, we still had five minutes to play it. Um, so we got the, everything calmed down. I do remember very, very distinctly as well that um, Luton started chucking five players up front as well, trying to ruin it. Um, so they, you know, they weren't happy and they chucked everyone up front and it was t- tin hats on and, you know, but when the final whistle went, it was it was it was it was brilliant. You know, and all my family were there. I had about I think I had about seven of their family from Ireland. My granddad was there, and managed to give him a jersey from the game before it got ripped off me. And you know, so it was it was a great, was a great buzz and a great feeling. And you know, something that you you do you never forget, and you never you know. And I know people say, oh yeah, you only stayed up, but you know what? It was like winning the league. You know, and if yeah. you ask any fan, if you any ask any fan over the last few years maybe top five memories in the last 15 years. It's probably up there because it was a, it was one of those great escapes that, you know, it wasn't just we drew and so we won in the last last few minutes. Other teams lost and we leapfrogged two or three teams to, to, to stay up. And it was, um, it was definitely one of, the, one of my top, top three or four memories. In, in. Does uh, Carl Muggleson prefers to take the goal kick so Grimsby Town are losing at Tranmere Russian and Diamonds are losing at home against Port Vale Brentford are winning at home against Bournemouth and Glynhurst the chance here for Chesterfield Glynhurst the ball down the field Glynhurst scores for the Spartans and Chesterfield could yet survive what a goal from Glynhurst a big kick downfield Sparrow supporters absolutely delighted. Glynhurst, with three minutes remaining, has put the Sparrow in front. 
They need to get off the pitch quickly. Supporters need to get off the pitch quickly and let the game continue. But Chesterfield have the lead. Glynnurst, the score of the goal. Yeah, and then if we whiz, whiz on to the League Cup run, um, just because they were... I, I think you played in the Wolves-West Ham and Charlton game. I think you were on the... Uh, we were substituting the Man City one, but I think you played. You played in. Yeah, we beat. I think we beat Burnley as well. We beat Burnley in the, mm. in the first round, I think, and then we beat Wolves. Um, I got injured in a in a in a league game, uh, and I missed. Well, I was on the bench for the Man City game, um, and you know my world was torn apart that game because I didn't play. You know what I mean? But I was still I was still wasn't fully fit. But uh, managed, yeah, managed to play in the West Ham game. Managed to play in the Charlton game, and you know the, I. You know, after my child being after my child being born, that's probably my favourite memories. Um, <laughs> you know, we've um, yeah, because every single one, every single one of those games, it, it wasn't just a one night; it was a continuation of nights. Burnley, West, uh, Wolves, West Ham, Charlton, it, it, and even though we got beaten penalties, uh, Charlton, it, it was still. You know, I, I remember I've got pictures up in, in the corner. I, I've only got three pictures in the whole house of me playing football because. Um, for whatever reason, but the three pictures are from that Charlton, West Ham, and and and, and Wolves game, and you know we stayed up. We, we scored in the last minute of extra time. The Chief, and, you know, it was just the whole. I think the whole journey was phenomenal, and it, and you know it, it catapulted the likes of Caleb into getting the move away. You know, uh, Jimmy. You know, Pop scored a few, and you know the whole the whole team just it, it was it was a great. Great squad, and I just I do remember them them six months, them three or four months of you know even the league games everybody was playing well, the whole team was playing well. It was like probably anybody could have got a move <laughs> in 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 those you know in those three months. You know the you know, chief was starting, you know he was coming towards the end of his career, but even he was you know phenomenal. And you know if if you look if you look back at those games, which which I have a few times, and you know if you look at the players that we, we played, it was we were. We were immense. We were we were quality and played the teams we were playing against. They were you know they, they didn't put out second string teams. They didn't put out you, you know they, they were you know I remember you know the last twenty minutes of the West Ham game. Teddy Sheringham coming off the bench. You know do you know what I mean? Jimmy Floyd asked about you know these they weren't bad players. They weren't second string teams. You know that you, you see sometimes in Carling Cups. They wanted to win. You know and I remember Ian Dowie and I remember. You know these these types of you know West Ham manager and you know they were going mad going you know and we just we, we beat them and deserved the win it was a, it was a great um it was a great run and I'm sure if whoever you spoke to in that era would say the same thing it was it was, yeah. it was brilliant it was it was weird that cup run because it seemed that for every match that we had it was you'd have an incredible match and you'd think we can't you can't beat that in terms of excitement and then the next round. You'd kind of beat it in terms of excitement, just with some really good late. Yeah, that's and that's. I think that's that's why it's 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 so, you know, good in the memory and, and go. You we you normally have one team. So if a, a lower league team beats a championship team, great night. You have a great night wherever you are around the country, mm. and then in the next round they get beat three 0 they get beat, and you go, oh, we had a good run. We, we beat such and such, but we beat Burnley who were in the championship, and then we beat Wolves, and then. It was like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, and then suddenly you go, you get Man City in the next round and go, 
are all right. They went to Man City. They are now, but they were still, still a big team. Still, you know, lots of great players. Um, beat them, I remember never scoring that volley like yesterday. The place erupting, and you kind of go, where do we go from here? You know, it it has to end, and that and that. I think that was the expectation, which, and I think that motivated us a little bit. It was like the fans were going, oh, we've had a great run. I can't believe we, you know, beat three teams above us in the championship and the premiership and it's got to come to an end. And then because there was a little bit of interest then suddenly in, in Chesterfield, because we kind of went unnoticed in the first two rounds, then beat Man City, suddenly Sky were coming for, for the West Ham game. Um, and we kind of went, we're going to beat these. And, it was a weird one because when we when it was announced Sky were coming, we were talking, we're going to beat these live on Sky, hundred percent. This is going to be our night. These these three nights before, I've led up to this kind of thing, and we we beat West Ham in the last minute. It was great, um, <laughs> and again that was another night. You know, no drinks were bought that night. It was a Tuesday night game, and you know it was um, it was phenomenal. And then the Charlton game, getting beaten penalties by a Premier League club, you know, three all after extra time. Not many fans will sit and go. It was a disappointment. Even that game, you know, it was, it was, you know, it was a long, long, um, long cup run, but it was, it was phenomenal. But the fun, you know, the funny thing is, I think I'm sure after that Charlton game, Basingstoke beat us 1-0 in the FA Cup the following week, like a couple of weeks later. Okay. Brought us right back, to, <laughs> brought us right back down the F. <laughs> I remember I remember Basingstoke coming to Salt to get after the cup run, and it was suddenly an expectation we were going to hammer them. They got beat us, beat us one nil. And I remember the gaffer didn't say anything, and then said, "Right, everyone, um, in Sunday morning." And he made us run around Chesterfield Town Centre, getting booed at and beeped at by all the cars. <laughs> so you know, it, it, good things come to an end, and it certainly came to an end that day at Basingstoke at home. But um, but yeah, the cup run was great, and you know, I played really, I played really well. Set up. I remember looking. I set up. I set up loads of goals in that couple on corners and free kicks and stuff like that. And you know, it was it was a, it was a good time to be at the club. Yeah. And uh, and and was there any was was there any rumours at that time? Did you have any opportunities to possibly go elsewhere? Did you did you hear of anything yeah. that was happening? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a, there was a couple because that, that that season I was having a really really brilliant season. I played more or less every game but a little injury I had it was just a niggle I had I missed one game I put straight back in I was playing the best football of my career I wasn't always the most gifted player but I always gave 100% but in that season I seemed to be just hitting a new stride and hitting a different different gear and a different level and we were all playing well like I said most people could have got a move um, but yeah there, there was there was a couple of rumours there was a couple of clubs one championship club one league one club were looking at me um, and actually put a, I think put a bid in for me um, but then unfortunately around December time it broke, broke my ankle and um, well it was either that I was going to get offered a two and a half year deal at Chesterfield because I was in the last year of my contract um, and I was either getting a two, signed a two and a half year deal or there was possible you know rumours you know uh, I think Bristol City were one um, look, looking at me so um, it, it was a, it was a great their feeling to be either you know worst case you know, worst case scenario I leave I go somewhere else but if I stayed I was happy because I loved playing with Chesterfield like, you know that would have brought me up to near ten years playing with Chesterfield it was it was you know a, a, a dream really and then obviously I um, I broke my ankle in a, in a in a stupid LDV game at home and I kind of it was the beginning of the end there at, 
at my time now. So, you know, I got a little bit better and a little bit angry and a little bit frustrated at times, but it was these these things happen, and and that's that's life, unfortunately, and it, it's it taught me a lot. Um, but like I say, it it did nothing for the previous kind of five years that I was there, and playing most of it, you know, forty games a season for like five, maybe six years. So. You know, I, I certainly wasn't wasn't angry at the time at Chesterfield. I loved it, and it just I left a little bit, bit of unfinished business. I, I think. Yeah, was the um, I kind of want to bring it up because my memory is a bit hazy, and I don't know if it was true or not. But was there another injury that you got where you kind of went in for a tackle with another player, and you got a bit of a boot between your legs? Am I remembering that wrong? Is it a different player, or was it you? <laughs> no, it was me. Um, <laughs> Which, which, I'm, which again, I'm reminded of quite often, because um, it was in, it was in Zoo magazine, ah. um, as in the top, I think it was number three in the top ten injuries of the Nordies. Um, but yeah, I remember it. Like, trust me, I remember it. And um, it was, it was against Tranmere up at home. Um, I went in for 50-50 with what was his name? Jack Harrison, I think his name was, um, Scouse lad. Um, and both went in 50-50. He, he had his blades up, went straight between my legs. And the rest is um, the rest is history. It was it was wake up in ambulance time for Alan, um, and getting sewed up, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So it was um, it was horrific. I'll never forget it. It was it was it was up there with the worst worst injuries I've had. Um, pain wise, I just conked out. I was I was out cold, um, pain, passed out. Woke up in the ambulance with my dad and a friend of mine. Mike from from Bolton, and then um, they were outside the curtain. I, I remember them very distinctly outside the curtain when they knew it was I was because my dad my dad was worried it was my cruciate on my knee or something like that, and there uh, was a bad injury. And but once everything was okay and I had nothing ripped off and broken and it was just kind of sewed up and get on with it. And I was the butt of a few jokes there for a few months at Chesterfield. But yeah, no, it was painful. I was I was out, I was out for like a couple of months with it. Um, because it was it, it was horrific, um, it was a really really bad injury, and it wasn't pleasant. I can look back and laugh now because it is what it is. But um, yeah, I still get reminded of that quite a bit. Uh, well, I've, I've, um, yeah, I'm sorry to bring it up, but it was one of those. No, no. I remember at the time, I've never heard a crowd kind of collectively go, "Oh." And then just mm. stay silent. And I don't think you moved for a good 10, 15 minutes or something. You were kind of in fetal position on, on the floor. Yeah, was Everyone was just sat in silence, kind of watching it. It was only maybe that one. And when I think Jamie Lowry once got kind of shunted into the wall um, under the main stand. And that was a similar one where everyone just went silent for 10 minutes. And I think as fans, yeah. you do, because you're out there playing for the club that we support, as, as fans, you do mm -hmm. kind of have so much sympathy when something like that happens it's just horrendous yeah no it was um but well obviously i only know what what, what was told afterwards but i mean i when it happened i went, i was out cold completely the pain just went out cold i don't remember anything and um, jam the jimmy hewitt the physio came on i remember him afterwards um coming and saying like he, he genuinely didn't know what to do he was like just get him on the ambulance because he couldn't check me he didn't know if it was a knee my stomach and because i was out cold I couldn't respond. <laughs> it was like, get him on a stretcher, get him, um, get him off. And like he, he did say, it was it was eerily silent, you know. And even he was like panicking, didn't know what had happened, didn't know what had, what had gone on. And um, someone said, someone said he got obviously got sent off for the, 
and chest, uh, Tranmere fans went mental. But obviously the Tranmere fans were up over the the, you know, the tunnel where we come out. They were like, I, I had to go past them. Apparently I was getting booed and things chucked at me, like saying it was fake and I, I got him sent off. But um, believe me, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I was passed out um, passed out with the pain. Um, and I remember Brian Little was the manager at the time. And him and, him and Roy Mack were having a fight and arguing it. Bicker about it for whatever. Um, and then as a strange coincidence, years later, I, I went to Gainsborough for about four months on loan through the back end of my career. Brian Little was the manager. and remembered it. And we had a good good laugh and a joke about it. Uh, he didn't realise just how bad it was until I showed him. Uh, I offered to show him my scar, but he, he didn't know a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and with the ankle injury, <clears throat> I just wondered if that's something that's um, kind of hampered you since, like since you've retired. Is that something that's always going to be a bit of an, bit of an issue with you? Yeah, I mean, I, I I'll kind of go back to my, my time at my last 18 months at Chesterfield, but I went to Mansfield after after Chesterfield for a season mm. um, and loved it. I'm going to be honest, I loved it and I played re- you know I played really well. I I, I played about 30 games, um, but towards the back end of that that season, my ankle was really playing up. Um, you know I'd train and the next day I couldn't walk on it. Uh, my range of movement had gone, and um, just everything, my flexibility, excuse me, and everything. So kind of towards the back end of my time at Mansfield. I really, really struggled. Um, I left Mansfield and went to York for a season. Um, and York were great, but I, did, I didn't kick the ball all season. Played pre-season, but then my, my ankle went again. Um, and it just it just wouldn't heal. Um, I had sugar injections, insulin injections, I had all sorts. Um, and it just wouldn't heal. Um, now, my own thoughts about what should have happened when I originally broke it, but... Um, the back end of Chesterfield, I went. That's why I went to Gainsborough for a few months, which was part time, and I could play on a Tuesday and rest and play on a Saturday. Um, but it got to the point where it was, I genuinely was like, I can't walk after a game or after a training session or after a run, or, you know, a tackle or a, you know. So I kind of got it looked at, and, and, and you know, I spoke to the PFA, and because you know I, I wasn't going to expect York to pay for it, it was you know. It, football politics and all that kind of stuff and I, I, I got it you know I wasn't a lot I wasn't a long-term plan for them so I didn't really care which I got and so I spoke to Richard Jobson at the PFA and, and they helped me out massively with, with getting an operation and um, but after the op the doctor and I'll never forget it the doctor came out to me afterwards and said you're done simple as that you know I went to Thornbury Hospital for the op and I was only in and out in, in a day but he said you're done and he gave, he gave me this I still have it upstairs he gave me this little container with nine pieces of bone in it and he removed I'm not going to say he removed cartilage and ligament but he, he removed lots of stuff in there and, and he basically said to me if I keep running on it never mind playing on it he says I'll have, I'll have, a, I'll have, a, have to have an ankle replacement by the time I'm 40 and so and he says I'll never pass a medical again so it was um, it was game over after that I'm afraid yeah and and Kind of just going back to your latter part at Chestfield, um, I, at the start of the when Richardson took charge, um, I remember Jamie Jackson getting the number three shirt. <laughs> like, it just seemed on that season that he, like, I remember being really angry at the time, like, why has the striker got a number three shirt? <laughs> I wonder what, and, and I think there was a, a maybe a pre season friendly against York as well, where 
Um, I was reading um, something on the Chesterfield forum that's still there about um, kind of Lee Richardson and Alan Nil turned up late for this friendly and then maybe you got took off after half an hour or something. I'm wondering, was there, there's kind of always a bit of rumour that maybe you and Lee Richardson had a bit of personality clash when he took over. Is there any truth in that? When Rico was a great coach, great guy, um, during my ankle injury, during my, my recovery, shall I say, my ankle injury, uh, Lee Mc, uh, sorry, Roy McFarlane left, left the club. And I came back, I think I came back in April. I think I had about three months off. And we came back in kind of April. Um, played the last half dozen games of the season. My contract was up. Now, in December, I was going to sign a two and a half year deal. Um, now, I knew that wouldn't be possibly in, on, the, on the table, you know, with the way things are. I knew football. I knew, I knew the game. Rico was coming in. He was wanting to bring in his own players. And... Um, but I remember him sat, I remember he brought me into the office. Now, mind you, I'd known Rico at this point six years. Uh, when I came first from loan at 19, he was still playing. So I seen the transition to coach and all that kind of stuff. And I know he was into the sports science and, and the psychology. And I know that's what he's doing now. Um, and I'm sure he's, he's brilliant at it. But I remember going into the office and him sitting down. And immediately, I knew he was different, you know. You're talking to a new player coming in, I get it, but this was someone you knew six years, you know what I mean? And you could talk Frank then, you could talk. And his first words to me, well, and this is the truth, and this is, this is I'm, I'm not badminton, this is just that you asked, and this is this is the reality. I've never told, I don't think I've told many people this, but this, the first thing he said to me, he says, I might give you a three-month contract. And I went, what, what on earth do you mean? He says, I might give you a three-month contract for July, August, and September. And I went, what, what, in what planet is that going to benefit me? Mm. I said, you got, you got seven, six or seven weeks of preseason in July and August. And I said, you, got, you give me a month. And he's like, yeah, I'm just, I, I don't know, I'm thinking about bringing in new players and getting rid of the old guard and bringing in new players. And, and then I immediately kind of went, they're cool. I'm not. I'm, you can show. You can stick that up your backside. I'm not. I'm not saying the three month deal. You can. I said I've got enough respect for myself. To, I'm not. I'm. I'm not sitting here cap in hand, pal. Um, you know, I would have walked away from football rather than saying that three three months. It was an insult. I thought it was an insult after everything. You know, it, it was a. It wasn't about getting a two and a half year deal, getting loads of money, getting this, that, and the other. It was just about going either release me because you don't want me, be a man. Or give me another contract and shoot, let let me prove again what I can, you know, what whatever. And he went, oh, well, I'll, I'll think about it. And I turned around and went, well, there's not much to think about. I'm off. And then he goes, oh, hold on, hold on. I'll tell you what. I'll do you a favour. And it, it, this was the kind of conversation we were having. And at this point, it, it was kind of he had me over a barrel a little bit, and he knew it because I was off for so long, and he played about half a dozen games. I was still getting back to fitness. I, I, had a, I had a fitness regime over the regime over the, the, the off season to get fit because you know I was still coming back from fitness, like four months off, three, four months off. And so I knew other clubs were, do you know what I mean? They, don't, they might not take a punt on me and all, all these kind of things were going through my head. And he goes, oh, I'll think about it. And I kind of went, all right, and I walked out. And then he brought me in the next day or a couple of days later. 
and he, he threw it down in front of me and he goes, go on, I've done you a favour, I've given you a year. And I didn't even open the envelope, didn't say thanks, just took it and left, signed it. Can't remember what it was. It was irrelevant, money was irrelevant. It was, it was, I, I love playing with Chesterfield, so I signed it. That was, you know, it was, but I knew the next year was going to be difficult. Um, he brought some new players in and, you know, just like I imagine, I, I was a replacement kicker. Um, you know, I played about 15 games, 16 games. Yeah, I remember one game and I played against Hereford away. I'll never forget it. I was out, I was in the bench for ages. He'd, he'd, he'd make me travel, he'd like travel to Bournemouth. He'd bring a, he'd bring a 17 man squad to Bournemouth. And I knew I'd be sat in the bench, sat in the stands on my own, that kind of thing. Mm. And that's what he did. But he needed a player. He we had loads of injuries. Ended up playing left wing for a uh, left well, left midfield against Hereford away. And got man the match. We got beat 2 0, but I got man the match. And all the lads after the game were like, you know, you stuck two fingers up at Wickle. And I remember Scott Sellers was there at the time as well. And Scott came over to me and was like, Look, you look fantastic today. Next day, next game on Tuesday night. I was back in the stands, you know, that kind of thing. And it was, so I never really, we never fell out, never had a massive argument. Um, but it was just, you know, being a manager changed his his mindset. And, you know, he, he, instead of turning around, have been a man and turning around saying, I don't want you anymore, you know, go find another club or I'll help you find another club where you can train. There's lots of things he could have done, you know, with with, with, with me during that time. That, um but I just think he could have done a little bit better and a bit more respect. You know what I mean? No, I wasn't wasn't the most talented player, but I I get I'd give six years to I'd seen lots of players come and go. I give six years to Chesterfield. You know, he knew I'd be a grafter. He knew I'd he, he knew I'd you know I'd look for the shot. And I'm just it was a bit of a, it was was a bit of a kick in the teeth. Not gonna lie. And, and you know I did lose a lot of respect for him. But that's football and that's that's management. And you know I was lucky enough that Roy McFarlane was there for so long and liked me. You know, it could have been different if he had gone a lot earlier. But you know, it's just the way it is. And you know, like I say, I went. I went. Not only did I leave Chesterfield, I ended up going to Mansfield. So it was. Uh, so I was a proper two fingers salute up to him. Um, but you know, funny story after that, I went went to Mansfield for the year. Um, and I remember I was at Alton Towers on a day off uh, with my missus at the time and some friends, and I got a call come through saying we uh, Mansfield had got Chesterfield in the FA Cup. Back at, back at Salt again. Um, so I threw my eyes up at the ceiling. It was like, oh my God, going back in. Um, and I remember living in the middle of town and I, I had to travel to Mansfield to get the bus because they didn't trust me walking into the ground in case something happened. Um, and, you know, we got beat 3-1. I played really well in that game. And, and But it was nice. I got I got to, um, it was at Salt again. And I got to kind of almost wave goodbye properly. To you know, the fans booed me at the beginning, but they were laughing, booing me. I knew it was a, you know, it was just Mansfield Chesterfield the way the way it was. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the game, I clapped, got managed to you know managed to give everyone a clap, and everyone clapped me, and I I, I just felt it was that was the, the little moment, my little moment, you know, of, of kind of saying goodbye and stuff and doing it the right way rather than kind of walking out, you know, walking out the back door and not giving an explanation as to what happened. Um, Funnily enough, during <laughs> during the warm up, I was concentrating that much. I ran down the tunnel and went left down into, into Chesterfield dressing room, and ran and ran straight into Rico and Jam. And he just looked at me and went, "You effing idiot!" And I went, oh, "Habit." <laughs> 
<laughs> and I had to turn around and kind of walk past all the Chessy lads, all my mates, like Jack and Jamie and Downsy, all laughed their heads off at me, going into the wrong dressing room. But um, but yeah, so no, like I say, I, I my time at Chesterfield overall was was fantastic, and and I loved it. And you know, um, it took me a while to to go back and visit the new ground mm-hmm. and and kind of fall back in love with with, with Chesterfield and football again. Because yeah. after I finished. You know, I did. I did get a little bit down and a little bit. You know, I was asked to go coaching, and I never did because I never really enjoyed that that side of it. Because if I couldn't play coaching, it's like teasing me. I could, you know what I mean? It was, it was a bit. You know, if I can't play, there's no point. Which is wrong. You know, it's it's a wrong mindset to have. I could have coached and I could have done bits and bobs. And um, but then, lucky enough, I went back and done commentary for a couple of years at, at Chesterfield, and. and kind of completely fell back in love with the whole atmosphere and fans again and, and you know the whole buzz around the place and yeah. you know so it, it was good and I you know I, I certainly don't I look at Chesterfield every week even though they're in the conference I look it's the first result I look for then both you know it's 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 habit that I'll never ever get out of and and yeah I was, it must be difficult when because when you're a footballer your hobby that you've had since you were a kid and the thing that you really love becomes your profession. And then if it, uh, and then it, your profession when that ends can kind of then ruin your hobby as well, can't it? If you ask any player, whether it be Reevesy or Caleb or Stephen Gerrard or whoever it is, when they finish playing football, playing at three o'clock on a Saturday is amazing. Great. There's no better feeling. But what they miss is the day to day. Mm. training with the lads, you know. Imagine playing Sunday League every day with the lads. Essentially, that's what you're doing. It's a bit more serious, a bit more structured. But, you know, you're going in, you're going to play football with your mates every single day. There is no better job. There is no better, you know, feeling of going, doing, like you said, you get paid for a hobby, let's be honest. You know, it's, but on the flip side of that, it is hard. It is you, you're you're worrying about your next contract. You know you're worrying about whether you get dropped and let go. And then you know you live in Chesterfield. You start having a wife and children and all that kind of stuff. What about you get released and the only the only club that will have you is Plymouth. You know York. Yeah, you, you have to go to Scotland. I nearly went to St Johnston after Chesterfield. Mm. I nearly signed for St Johnston up in, up in Scotland. And like I'm gonna have to go to St Johnston and we'll have to move. But you know it's a very fickle game that. Yeah. As good as it is on this side of the fence, the other the other side of the fence is very close, and there's a, there's a gate open all the time and close, and then you're 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 heading towards, you know, and you know it's it is it is mentally it is mentally tough, um, when you don't have a contract and you get let go and stuff like that, and 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 it is, and I do feel for anybody, you know, and, and I don't care whether whether it's a Premiership player earning hundred grand a week, I feel for that player when they when they get let go because I know. Money's great, they never have to work again. But I know for a fact that they will be embarrassed, ashamed, having all these feelings of, of, of you know, I, I've, I've let everyone down, I've let myself down, people are judging me. I know they'll have them feelings because that's what I had. Over the last 18 months, I've struggled a little bit with mental health. Not crazy, not, you know, not proper, full on depression, Gen- genuine issues in my, in my personal life. Um, and it was Jamie Hewitt that gave me a bit of a kick up the backside to be honest it was um i met him in tesco and um, just before lockdown i think and um, or maybe during that time early lockdown 
And um, I, he's asking me how things were. I hadn't seen him in a while and blah, blah, blah. And um, I told him my personal, what's going on in my personal life, your career. And he says, why, why haven't you rang me? I'm like, what? He said, I'll give you, get in touch with the PFA. And I went, oh, well, and, and there was, it is a bit of a stigma, mental health is a bit of a stigma with, with um, you know, with men. Mm-hmm. And then you, you chuck footballer on top of that. It's like a double whammy because, yeah. you know, we, we think we're invincible, don't we? We think, you know what I mean? It, it, it's just the way our mindset are. Um, we, and, I, and I said, look, I, I feel a bit, you know, I haven't, I haven't been a professional footballer in, God, nine years, ten, nearly ten years. And... Um, you know, I haven't asked the PFA for much after the after the after my injury. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and he's like, "Don't be silly. They'll, they'll be happy to help." Mm. And I was a bit reluctant, but I did. I rang Richie Humphreys, <clears throat> and I said, hey, "Richie, you know, Jams put me in touch." And I told him my situation, all my personal stuff, and he went, "Why didn't you ring us earlier? Why didn't you ring us earlier?" And I said, "Look, you know, you've got bigger and better things to be doing than the next Chesy player. We played in League One and League Two. You've got all this." Thing, you know, premiership and all racism and all, mm. you know, homophobia and all these kind of things you're working at. You don't need. And he went, he just he just stopped me dead and just went and not stop talking crap. He says we look after our own. And within within an hour, Jeff Whitley rang me, who was who's used to play with Sunderland. Yeah, yeah, I remember. And, uh, yeah, Jeff. And uh, he was like, I told him my story, and he says, right, look, Alan, you need to stop, put stick your pride at the door. Um, ask for help. We give you some help, and he and they did. You know, I they they put me in touch with a counselor, and I spoke to a counselor. Mm-hmm. You know, over Zoom, over COVID, and during my training at the police. So it was it was a difficult time, and then um, and they helped me out, and they've rang me since, and they've, they've kept in contact with me, and I have a bit of an issue with my knee, uh, my meniscus in my knee, and they're like, well, if you if you want a scan, we can get you a scan, and so you know, it, it is. They have been, you know, I know I know people have different stories, but I can't I can't thank the BFM for what they've done for me. And, you know, it, with, with a ten year gap in between. Yeah. You know what I mean? They haven't forgotten about me. They, I ring up. Um I spoke to Osha Williams, who was the education, uh, he's part of the education. Uh, Jason Lino, who I played with at Mansfield, he's 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 in amongst it now. Going for the and top talking now. to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jason's quality and funny, you know, the good great character have around and, and <clears throat> they never forget that players no matter how long you've been in the game you know let's be honest I've done nothing in the game of no in a you know I've not won anything I've not you know I've been part of cup runs and Come escapes and, <laughs> but, but, but what I'm saying is that, that even the so-called little guys down Chesterfield mm. Mansfield and you know they they take it serious as the Jack Grealishes of the world who crashed the cars and even need a lawyer and all that kind of stuff, you know. So they, they've been they've been superb with me and, and they continued, you know, if I if I rang Richie tomorrow and asked for whatever, you know, I'm not saying I just click of a finger, but they they will put me in touch with someone and, and they've been great because, you know, finishing football is 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 devastating. And it, you know, I did I did go into a little bit of a depression for a few months before I got my job in the school and started kind of getting walking my way up the school ladder and and there was an embarrassment there there was a shame and and you know oh god I'm a footballer now and I'm working in the school and, and I had to get rid of that mindset because that you know I I had the daughter and to look after and, and a house to run and, and you know and, and 
and who am I to say I'm better than anyone else in the school and working in the school and police or in the, in, in the job at Tesco and stuff. And, and you know, I, I really had to look at myself and think, grow up, basically, essentially, you know, grow up and, 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 and realise that you had you were luckily, lucky enough to do what you've done and now you just have to do something else. You still have all those memories and still chat with people and still talk to people who are interested and, you know, discuss things and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you tone, tone it from a bitterness and down into a, my God, wasn't I lucky to have done it for so long? Um, yeah, so then, so yeah, that, like you touched on, so you were um, working as a, in, in teaching for a, a little bit of time and then if, um, now in the police. So, and when we were talking to Steve Grizovich, he, he joined the police when he was a teenager because he was told he was too big to be a goalkeeper, which seems a bit ridiculous now. Um, and he was saying that um, some of the skills that he maybe learned as a police officer came in handy on the football pitch in terms of being calm under pressure uh, and kind of taking control of situations and uh, kind of camaraderie as a team and I suppose you're wearing a uniform as well. Um, I'm wondering, is, have you kind of consciously or subconsciously thought that any of those skills you learned as a footballer have come in handy being a police officer? 100%. You know, we, um, I always enjoyed talking to people you know, and talking to yourself or talking, you know, when I done the commentary, I was always comfortable talking, you know, relating to people. Um, if there was any bad, if we had bad games or any bad, you know, uh, set set of games and stuff like that, I was always shoved out to talk and I was shoved out to talk to media because it was, you know, I was I was all right, comfortable doing that, whether they were angry or happy or sad and upset and stuff. I, I always enjoyed that. Yeah, it is. And like I say, it, it is in the police. Um, they have their own brand of humour again. And you've got to be a little bit more professional. You can't, you know, you've got to watch a P's and Q's in around the station and stuff with the gaffer and the sergeants and the inspectors. But, you know, yeah, we're within the team. You're very much, it is very much, you know, you put your, you literally, you put your radio on, you put your, your hat on and your, your badge on and you get your cuffs and off you go. And you're, you're very much, it's like, like a team effort, you always have people backing you. You always have people people to rely on and stuff like that. So I'm guessing it, it is very similar, um, similar environment. Like I say, working, I, I suppose playing football, it's institutionalised. You working as a team, you know what I mean. I'm I'm not very good on my own. <laughs> you know, I like to be around people. I like to, and, and you know that's that's kind of why I got into teaching around people, around teachers, around you know that's and, you know the police just seemed. You know, after all the legislation and all that kind of, you're learning all that. But fundamentally, it, it's it's very very similar in the sense that you know you go in every day, same bunch of lads and girls, very much very much similar humour. If I'm honest with you, than the, the football, and just as brutal, just as you know, you you, you get fined, you get you know you have a, you, you have a whole system in place where you get bond fines and money and all that kind of stuff. And same as same as football, and, and it, it's uh, you know what it. If I'm honest, it, it feels safe, it feels comfortable. You know, it, it, it's, you know, I'm, I'm very, very content with what I'm doing. I'm very happy with the joint. I'm still learning, obviously, I'm, I'm new in service. But it's, um, I'm, I'm getting to that point where it's, the longer I'm in there, it's like I'm an old pro. I can see myself, you know what I mean, being that being that old pro and, and, and looking after the younger people in service coming in. So, yeah, it's very, very similar. Mm-hmm. And opposite way of obviously what Steve's done but it's yeah you can you can understand why people you know uh, pros go into like the 
ambulance service or the fire service, police service or things like that, because it, it's, it's comfortable and it's what they know. Did you have a, uh, just last couple of questions. I wonder, did you have a favourite game uh, at, at Chesterfield, while you were at Chesterfield, just for, just for any reason? My debut, my debut at Luton, yeah, the West Ham and the Charlton game, you know, there was, there was there's one for not the right reasons. Um, I remember going to Plymouth and getting beat 7-0. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, remember going, I remember going to Plymouth and getting and it was, it was hilarious. And it had a knock-on effect for the next six months. We went to Luton and got beat, sorry, we went to Plymouth and got beat 7-0. We were 5-0 down after 15 minutes. And I remember, I just remember, and, and it just, yeah, and I mean, it was, and I think it was like in and around New Year's, like day after New Year's Day or something like that. And, and I remember Black, I remember Steve Bradley just turning around to me, well, what are we going to do? We're going to get beat 15 0. No. I just remember him saying that to me. <laughs> and I just shrugged his shoulders. We ended up getting beat seven. And then I'm sure it was that year we went, ended up going to, like, we, it, would, it was already booked to go to Marbella for like three days after, like, and I remember fans going mental at us and at the club going, you're going to, you're bringing them to Spain for a, a training session, training session. Um, and, you know, after all these results and uh, blah, blah, blah. And I remember, I remember going, God, if we come back, you're beat, we're out of a job. And I remember coming back and we went 15 games unbeaten. We won seven and drew eight of the next 15 games. It was like promotion. We ended up mid-table that year. And um, so I, I did, like I say, for, so for the wrong reasons, I remember, I very, very distinctly remember that game. And I remember Bladders looking at me going, what are we going to do? We're going to get big 15. Because every time they had a shot, went in, it was 15 minutes of a 5 nil down. It was, um, it was tragic. And, but you know what? After the game, it, I remember after the game, us all going in. And genuinely, I don't think you could, there was no one like more beaten than the 15 lads that walked into that dressing room. Ryan McFarlane just said, get a shower and get on the bus when you're home. Well, Peter's on the bus, put a couple of movies on, some music. That was it, Monday morning, it was never mentioned. And we went, went 15 games unbeaten. So we knew, you know, that's just going back a little bit, but Roy, he knew when to put an arm around his shoulder and when to go, you know, kick you in the backside. And that, and that was, that. that's why I loved him. And that's why all the players loved playing with him. But, um, so yeah, so that, that game sticks out in the memory as well. Just to finish off, I'd just to show the, the team spirit of the Roy McFarland era team, I just wanted to mention the Amarillo video, which I remember at the time was uh, a real giggle among, amongst the fans, kind of recreating mm-hmm. the, UK, the comic relief thing, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And you're in that video having a having a scrap with uh, Gareth Davis, I think. So, yeah. Do, do you remember? Do you remember filming that? Was it filmed at Warminster Road? I think. It was filmed at Warminster, yeah. Um, we, we, I think we got like a, a day's notice that the, the, this film crew were coming in. Um, and because I think Roy was friends with, yeah, Tony Christie, yeah, Tony, Tony Christie, yeah. He, he was really, he's really good friends with um, with Tony Christie, um, which we didn't know. Um, and it was quite big at the mo- at the time because of Peter Kay and all that kind of stuff. Um, and he said he asked Roy to do it, and he said yeah. So well, he got the lads in and was like. He just went, you, 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 this is what you're doing. Um, so we were like, all right. Then, and then he, he looked at me and guys because we, we we had streaks in our hair, and, you know, like really fashionable back then. You know, like, yeah, going into Mark Roberts' hairdressers and paying whatever to get <laughs> looking like that. Yeah. 
<laughs> embarrassing. But hey, it, it was the times. Um, and they said, right, used to, you, you're walking up the hall to the song, having a scrap, like they do in the video. Like, for God's sake, I like it. And so me and guys, like, we went into this dressing room, one of the dressing rooms, like, what, what, what the hell did I want this to do? How do you scrap? <laughs> what, what do you want us to do? <laughs> so, so we were like, we just got to go out there and just like push each other, shove each other, just do whatever. So we did. And um, it was, it was funny. I mean, how we did laugh. And I remember again, Cham clicking his, there was a bit where he was clicking his finger on the phone and clicking the fingers. Yeah. Oh, you know, and honest, honest to God, I, it was just the funniest like couple of hours we've ever had. You know, Mark Dabala was there, Mark Dabala was there, and a few others. Caleb, Caleb Folan, I'm um, still really good pals with. Um, he'd be a good guy to get on the podcast. Yeah, Caleb. Um, he said he was there doing it, and, and just there was no. We just threw ourselves in there because it was a bit of crack, a bit of bit of fun. Not not thinking. I'll be honest with you. Not this was kind of all before social media as well. This was all before Facebook. You know, um, I think. It went up on YouTube or something like that. But even then, YouTube was like, wasn't as popular as it is now. We, you know, we never thought in 15, 15 years' time I'd still be getting sent going, <laughs> what is this? Um, now, the lads, in, I don't think the lads in the police have seen it yet, but I, I, I did mention I was doing this podcast and I'm sure, I'm sure they'll go searching it. Um, I, I get it on Facebook. I get, I get tagged with it a lot on Facebook and, and, you know, Instagram and WhatsApp messages and stuff like that, you know, lads, because I, I, funnily enough, I don't mention it a lot. <laughs>